Hi, my name's Sean Taylor. That's my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek of YouTube and Twitter fame. Chris, how you doing this week? I am good. I'm good. You said good, <laughs> but it didn't sound good. <laughs> no, I am. I'm just tired. <laughs> doing a lot of uh, home homework, but not schoolwork. I'm uh, way better at the other kind. I'm, I'm way better at schoolwork than I am yeah. at your kind of homework. But yeah, just remodeling bathroom. But I am very happy because uh, got this big 300 pound double vanity up into uh, my up my stairs up to my bedroom, which it's been like haunting me for weeks, months. Yeah, really months on how how just I'm going to get that in there. Oh, I meant to tell you uh, before <laughs> when I told my my dad was like, "How did you even get it in here?" I was like, well, they just dropped it off and, I, and they put it in the garage. Then my friend Sean came and then we, we put it in the living room. He's like, he's like, what, you got that strong? I was like, <laughs> and I was like no, dad, like, Sean's crying me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, trust me, like, you're probably stronger than them. <laughs> Absolutely. No question. I've never met your dad, never seen him. Still going to take that bet nine times out of ten. I'm sure my my daddy has that old man strength. My dad is not in shape at all, and he doesn't, like, work out, and he just works, like, a regular, like, kind of blue-collarish job, but not, yeah. like, muscle. But he's still, like, we're talking about a 65-year-old man that's stronger than I will ever be, and I think that's unfair. And that's old man strength, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, um, my dad's a welder. Don't and, uh, at least so yeah, welding. At least there's a lot of uh, physical lifting and movement. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Don't forget though, Heather was also there. We can't even take all the credit. Sure, like we had. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to tell him that, but inside my own heart, <laughs> I know that's why. That's the bare minimum that we needed to survive. It's very heavy vanity. <laughs> Up the flight of stairs, though. That's incredible. <laughs> Congratulations, really. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, it's been haunting my. I'm like, how am I gonna get this up? Like, I bought, I've schemed so many different ways on how to get it up there. Like, I purposely bought a a uh, dolly that's for taking things upstairs. Like, it has like three wheels on each kind of thing. So and you kind of pop it one stair at a time, sort of. Is that? Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't going to work. So I really bought it for nothing. It was like $50. It was worth the investment, I think, and the chance that it could have made it easier. But, uh, I, yeah, I mean, no. if you don't keep it or, you know, resell it or whatever. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's my segue into my week. Chris, I've had a very weird week and I'm going to try my best to summarize it as quickly as I can. Uh, in-laws coming for like four days, similar homework to what you're doing. Video game price is outrageous, so I've started selling a few of my games that are actually worth money. Most of my games are not. Don't interpret that the wrong way. But sold a few video games. Bought tickets to my first uh, my first concert in like a decade. Um, and it's not until October. Literally have not been to a concert, I don't think, since college. And even that was barely a concert. And uh, did something else weird, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, I actually learned like a brand, like new things in, in Excel. So not just things that I wasn't good at. Um, and like what and got better. Um, it's <laughs> so, uh, our, our old Payless colleagues taught me uh, about slicers. And so I have been using pivot charts. They're not just pivot tables, I've been using pivot uh, charts with slicers. Yeah. I had never used slicers before. 
Not that I'm oh, yeah. arrogant okay. enough to think there's not stuff in Excel that I have yet to learn, but that's like a feature that everybody just knew about, and I just didn't. And that was kind of embarrassing and humbling for me. But that's good for me from time to time. Yeah, I knew about that. I just don't use it. Uh, I'm going to start using it all the time because people constantly ask me. They're like, hey, you know Excel. How do you do this? And I want to be like, I don't know format-y Excel. I know formula-y Excel. <laughs> uh, there are different. Well, now I'm just going to pretend that I know format-y Excel. And I'm just going to make pivot charts with slicers and be like, here you go. Um, yeah, so I had a weird week, and that's it. Uh, it was very exciting. Oh, uh, selling my video games on on uh, Mercari. So if you feel like going and buying some video games on Mercari, go look me up, okay? You, not you literally, Chris, unless you wanted to. You, everybody else. I say that there's like five things that I'm selling, and I've, I'm making it sound like a big deal to impress my wife. Like, see, look at me. I'm responsible. I, uh, so I buy a bunch of atrophies all the time. I bought this uh, Gorilla Grodd thing. Also, of... Gorilla Grodd is a villain of the Flash. Uh, very Allen. He looks like a villain in Planet of the Apes. He he does. It's a it's a. He comes from this place called Gorilla City. He has uh, like mind control and stuff. Whatever, not important. But the regular version is a gold version, right? There's a gold version. He looks like Goldar. Yeah, he kind of does. Goldar meets Planet of the Apes. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I bought off Amazon and I open it. I'm like, oh, it's it's silver. It's not gold. And I'm like, oh, this is the platinum edition. Like, Amazon must have sent this to me on accident. But I think they just, it's like a Chase variant that they randomly put in. So I could like sell this right now off of eBay for like $100 minimum. Uh, and I really just wanted the gold one anyway. <laughs> but also, I don't feel like going through the trouble of selling it on eBay. Literally, the but, only uh, reason I picked Mercari is because auctions make me anxious and the fees are slightly <laughs> lesser on Mercari. And I know it's going to be a wash to like what I make regardless, uh, but uh, just trying to minimize my anxiety for selling. So if you need some Mercari tips, I've been doing it for two days now, so I'm pretty much an expert. <laughs> I got, like, one feedback on my profile. I'm doing pretty well. Nice. Uh, I really did show it to my, like, I made a real big deal of it to my wife, though. I'm kind of, like, I'm ashamed in hindsight of how proud I was that I was parting with, you know, 1% one, 1 of the garbage that I own and never touch. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, Chris, today, actual podcast things, is that we are going to talk about book two, Spirits of Legend of Korra. We're on chapter 13. It's called Darkness Falls. And if you can tell by the little image there, if you're not doing the audio-only version, it's kind of intense. Um, anything you want to note before we jump into the review? Uh, no. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's jump into it then, metaphorically. I don't, well, you know, you're in your own house. Jump if you want. Uh, all right. So we start off with, Ooh, I'm sorry for your honor. Start with uh, Fatu Unalak. Okay, so Korra, uh, Korra is fighting Vatu. Sorry, I had to think about it. Uh, Korra's like, all right. The plan is is uh, Unalak wants to fuse with Fatu. Korra has to separate them so they don't fuse together. So then Makabolin takes. Um, 
<laughs> Mahal Boleyn takes on takes on uh, Unlock. I do love how Core goes into Avatar State <laughs> and she like airbends him up and just like tosses him like a hundred yards off out into the spirit world. I feel like he should have died. And I don't like that about all cartoons of like when it's just regular humans, like he should have died. I mean, if you think about it, she threw him through the spirit world into the. I'm not buying it. (laughs) But into the South, into the Southern water tribe, which is full of water. And stuff. he'll be able to catch himself just fine. Like it's the word of bend himself. I don't know. Bend himself down safely. Yeah, I just what did I watch? Maybe it's something I rewatched in Dragon Prince, and I felt like there's something that was like that person should be dead. <laughs> she should have just like sucked the air out of him at that point, and then. Oh yeah, that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't be any story, and, and I know isn't like a... it would have been really cool in that one moment <laughs> until we realized we got another episode to go and be like, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, so then it's Korra. Versus Unalak, which I really love this this fight. There's a lot of like individual fights in this episode. Things get like really epic and intense. I think um, the Korra versus Vatu uh, fight is really good. It's very reminiscent of the Wan versus Vatu fight. Um, just really love you know Korra, which is really going off against Vatu, and she really handled her own. Um, yeah, you know, she she won the she won that fight just the same way that Juan did. Like she was about to put him into the tree of time, and then Unalak came back and and uh, and disrupted that, which means that he got away from Bolin and Mako, who had one Bolin, job. Yeah, Bolin and Mako got beat by Eska and Desna, and uh, but I still really like also seeing. Mako and Bolin fight together. They do such a good job of teamwork, really all throughout this episode. Um, like they, their communication without saying a single thing to each other is is off the charts. Like one of these days, we're gonna do a a sibling fighting tournament, and I would not be surprised. Tag if... team wrestling, Bender yeah. style. Well, I would say tag tag not tag team. Is there any wrestling fight where you, there's no tagging? It's just two on two. Uh, I just want to say battle royale, like Glenn from Accepted, but that's not quite it. But yeah, I get I get the concept yeah. of it's more like a two on two Yu Gi Oh match where you can target either opponent simultaneously. True. Yes. It's exactly. I just uh, wanted to talk about Yu Gi Oh. <sighs> but they they would be high. Uh, that'd be really interesting. Uh, tournament though. One of these days we're gonna get to that. Uh, wasn't due for sibling day. Should have done on sibling's day. Yeah, dang it. <laughs> I forgot about. What are we thinking? I don't know. That was my plan. It feels like it was recent. It was very recent. It was like it was like three months ago. The thing is, like, I'm sure, like, six or nine months ago, I messaged you like, "Hey, for sibling day, let's do this fighting tournament," and then you probably said, "Yeah, sounds great." And then probably that day sounds by, like me. Yeah. That sounds exactly like the conversation that we would have is you, <laughs> hey, let's do a sibling day tournament. And I'd be like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> and then, like, sibling day went by. Like, I I recognized it was sibling day. Like, oh, it's sibling day. 
And then I, my I did not. My head did not. Wasn't like, oh wait, we should do that tournament thing. I'm so sorry, siblings. I still care for you deeply. They don't listen to this podcast. What I'm talking about. Yeah, forget my four siblings. How many siblings do you have? Four. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, they don't. They do don't have... listen to this. I, which makes it feel more honest. I say, yeah, I care about them deeply, but I have no idea when siblings' day is. I'm sure it's a beloved holiday in some households. Nah, I doubt it. It's a I doubt it. I mean. Out of all the fabricated holidays, it's like, Facebook that's... garbage. Is all it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> and that's just fine. Love your siblings every day and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Basket would also rank high in that. They they do a really great job of fighting together. But they're not as, as diverse with Bolin and Mako. You get the diversity, mm-hmm. and that's huge. That is true. That is true. Very true. Um, I'm sorry, I'm giving away pointers ahead of our official Sibling Day episode, yeah. 2022 <laughs> Siblings Day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look out for that. Um, okay, um, what else is there? Okay, so Unalak gets away, and then Unalak fuses with Vatu to become the Dark Avatar, and I really love this this fight. Be between um, between Unalak and Korra uh, as as like two avatars. Oh, there's there's so much good like lore. I think like it's it's the epic fight between good and evil, but in the avatar realm, like it will never get more black and white, which could probably sound like a a, 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 a diss towards it, but it's not at all. Um, well, I, I mean, I like those epic stories of good versus evil, and this uh, definitely represents that. Um, I, I do, and I don't. I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I'm still just having such a hard time buying into this story or feeling, feeling hooked into the story. And maybe it's because Unalak doesn't make that side feel... They're gonna want to hearken to like, uh, like uh, book three, where the book three and book four, where the antagonists' causes feel a little more relatable or or hashed out or whatever. When in Unalak, it feels like he's just being an asshole. I mean, the yeah. same cause is there, and they explain it in book three, right? They're, they at least hearken back to it in books three and four uh, and elaborate on it a bit and all that, but in the moment right now i feel like he's just being a jerk so it doesn't feel as as uh as real as those other great stories that as real as any of the other three books to me the thing that makes this feel real is the the stakes and and not just the the stakes of oh was a ten thousand the risk of ten thousand years of darkest chaos but we'll get to some of the more uh, other stakes involved in it, um, like you know, past lives <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, I will so back to Malcolm Bolin. There's a moment here where uh, Eska and Desna freezes Malcolm Bolin, and Bolin is like, "Wait, which one, Eska?" Eska. I was like, Eska, like, we didn't get to be together. Like, I didn't get to tell my true feelings about you, and I love you. And then Aubrey Plaza, because uh, I just love mentioning his Aubrey Plaza. It's tremendous. <laughs> it's like, 
you know, we, we could have had eternal bliss, but you ran away. Is Venus William um, the spirit mushroom? Is she the I don't think so. I highly think... doubt it. No, that sounds like a guy voicing that spirit mushroom. I'll have to go back and listen to it. I yeah. really, really thought I was onto something, but it's been a couple weeks, and I'm, I might be smarter <laughs> now than I was then. Um, so, uh, Michael thinks he's... So then Eska and Desna lets them go. <laughs> oh, and then Eska gives them a really, really nice, I think, passionate, real kiss. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and then Michael's like, that was the greatest acting I've ever seen you done. Like, it's way better than your movers. And it's like, yeah, that, that was acting. Which I kind of call BS. Even though, even though I like this, mo- this moment, it needed way more support. And this is, uh, and also the season feels long. Like, I forgot the last time, well, I remember exactly what happened the last time, <laughs> that Bolin saw Eska, but I was like, it feels like that was episode five, maybe episode four. Yeah, when she's chasing him and, and Varric is like, but Bolin, they're in Varric's ship and Bolin's like, can this thing outrace my crazy ass girlfriend? And Varric is like, why do you think I built the thing? <laughs> that does feel that. like it was a long time ago. Uh, yeah, five, so it feels maybe. like it was I'm cool. just spitballing, but five seems good. Yeah. yeah. And then since then, Bolin has been infatuated with that movie actress girl that he thinks that they're dating clearly, and stuff like that. Clearly has nothing for him whatsoever. Yeah. And so I don't buy that Bolin really had these feelings for for Eska. I would have really liked for them. It's a bonded to... by trauma moment. Yeah. Not good. I mean, not, I, I... not like deep feelings, but I will believe that he believed that they were real feelings. But he is wrong. Mm. But I would have liked if they expanded on it. If they would have, if they would have uh, made that part of his his story. Especially, you know, he went and and was sort of with Ginger. Like he could be thinking to himself, like this isn't real. But at least what I had with Esco was real. Like I wonder, was there anything there or anything? Um, granted, I don't want it to end with them. I want it to end exactly how it ended. I just want there to be more in between that way would have helped support this scene here also i didn't care for much of the stuff that's going on with the movers so if you add a couple of different dynamics to it and maybe that stuff would have been better and it would have made bolin less of a very cartoonish character that i think he became in that little part of the story don't add more romantic drama chris i can't handle anymore well it wouldn't be adding it sure that sounds much more. like it. <laughs> but it'll make for a better story. <laughs> Someday when we officially argue which show is better, that's going to be like my resounding argument is like, well, there's no, <laughs> there's no him and her back and forth off and on nonsense in, oh, in Avatar. And if, well, if you're a Zutara fan, you think there definitely is. Well, I'm absolutely not, so that clears that one up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have room in my heart for emotions. I can't handle it. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, I I agree that it feels that it feels poor. So like I said, I'll give it a pass for a like a bonded by trauma where he in that exact moment probably feels like he's having some deep feelings. When later he'd look back and be like, "That was a poor choice." Yeah, <laughs> wasn't a poor choice because it got us out alive, but it was a poor choice to feel that way. Um. Okay, so back to 
the uh, Unlock Korra fight, there's a really great moment in here where Korra is like trapped in this little fissure in the ice and and Unalak is pushing them against each other. Also, it's really cool to see Unalak's bending being uh, amplified with being with fused with Vatu now. Because before, like he could barely kind of take on Korra's dad, right? Like, of course, dad's a strong bender, but not enough to go toe to toe with with her, the Avatar. But now you see that um, Unalak's is fused with Vatu, and he's the Dark Avatar. He, his power is even greater now, which is kind of just good to see that that upscale, that power scale up. I really dig that they get it, you get to see it immediately. There's like an immediately gratifying payoff to, mm-hmm. holy crap, look what he can do. Yeah. Very terrifying. Uh, also, if anyone's wondering, uh, yeah, he can only do water because he only ever learned water bending. Just because you're an avatar doesn't mean you get all the bending, even if core even facet if he... of Chris's dark avatar theories. Uh, by the way, if you've not watched that video, that's been a, I, that's, a, that's an old video. I feel like that was an earlier one. I got a lot of old videos. Um, I need to get some new videos. That's what I need to do. <laughs> no, the old ones are enough, and you're just gonna let it end after uh, six seasons in a movie and just be Thanks. happy with it. I have so I still have so many uh, videos to do. I'm not giving up. I just have to find the time. To, to do it. My last job, I didn't care enough about that I would take time out to you know edit and write. You also, like start sometimes... scripting during work and things like yeah. that. I've been there. Um, we'll just someday your kids will all go to college and then you can make videos again, or you'll have to make videos to pay for college or something. I really don't know how that works. Uh, I mean, hopefully by that time, either college is free. Or there's some type of reparations for black people, in the term in terms of of of, of a serious uh, social and education reform. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe there'll be reparations through. So uh, the Tulsa race massacre is coming up on its hundred year anniversary. Is not the word I'm looking for because I I only like to use anniversary for good events. Um, but there's, so now there's more talk about like reparations for their survivors and those affected. I wonder what that's going to look like. Um, anyway, that's not here nor there. If anyone doesn't know about the Tulsa race massacre of 1921, so I, I'm I'm from Tulsa. It's something I'll always try to educate people on. Something but, I didn't know about until like, I met you for sure. <laughs> long story being short, very well educated in my own mind. <laughs> don't don't take it personal. Long story short. Uh, the greatest massacre probably in U.S. history, the time in U.S. history where more Americans killed other Americans um, on American soil happened in 1921 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma had like the bit, the best black uh, society there was, like businesses and everything. It was, it was a great uh, place for black people. It's called Black Wall Street. They had different businesses. Everything they have their own airport, their own churches, their own uh, like a church. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Uh, (laughs) uh, they have their own airport, their own movie theaters. Like it was, it was all you know. They kept all within the community. Great place to be at. Uh, A black boy was falsely accused of raping a white woman or assaulting her. 
uh, black people were scared he was going to be hung. They went to the courthouse to to uh, to try to save him. Well, to to try and just protest, and you can't just hang him. Uh, white people went there with guns, and then someone tried to disarm this black guy because they told the black guy, black people with guns to go home, but one person didn't. They tried to disarm this one guy with guns. Shots fire. All the white people with guns pretty much just slaughtered every single black people, all the black people. And they went to their neighborhoods, burned them down. Like they dropped the first bombs dropped on U.S. soil wasn't Pearl Harbor. It wasn't, um, I forget what the other, oh, it wasn't. Um, 9/11 or you know aerial attacks. It wasn't that. It was it was 1921 in, in Tulsa, um, and then they burnt and killed. So I mean, they burned down the whole city uh, or this whole part of the city, about 32 city blocks. There was for 1921. I think there was like four million in property damage. Lives that were killed was anywhere between 100 and 300 but no one knows that number because bodies were buried so quickly no one knows the count some people just ran away which they're doing they're excavating uh, they found evidence of deep mass graves and now they're digging up those remains to see uh, what those are but long story short Tulsa Oklahoma used to be a great place for black people and then there was a huge massacre that uh, really Mess it all up. Um, and that's a very light way of saying it. There's still survivors today. There's only like four of them. And they recently actually spoke at Congress, the U.S. Congress, um, about what they saw that day and everything. Uh, that was really horrific things. I mean, there's so many things in our history, in our U.S. history, that's, that's messed up. Um, but, you know, and it's also one of those things. Can you remind me the date? Uh, it was Memorial Day, 1921. Okay. So May 31st is is uh, kind of the night that it happened, and then it carried on until the next day. By the next day, they were rounding up black people and putting them into internment camps, uh, and they stayed there for weeks. The hospitals wouldn't let in um, black people. They would deny them uh, service. My high school, Booker T, actually served as a location for the Red Cross to set up. And... Uh, but anyway, I don't know how I got started on this. I don't subject. either, but there's never a bad time. Um, started with a college wow. comment. Uh, never a what? bad time for Well, and to be fair, it's very timely. Memorial Day, if you're listening to this, it's you know one to two days if you're listening to this when it comes out. So uh, maybe something to ponder upon this, this fine American holiday weekend. Um,. Yeah. So timely, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, man, I gotta look, listen back to this episode. I'm curious how did I end up talking about those. We were talking about college, day. and then got got started about getting your kids to college and what it would look like at that time. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yes, because thoughts about reparations started up again about uh, for the survivors of the Tulsa race massacre. So yeah, so maybe they'll get free college reparations through that, or uh, sadly, the most likely part that they'll get free college is probably because. Uh, so I, my wife's been looking at my history, right? My family history, not just my history. <laughs> no, she's been looking at just yours specifically. <laughs> she's looking at my family history, right? And so, like, I have a, I had a great, 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 uh, whatever, who around 
uh, before the Civil War was enslaved by Native Americans, uh, which that's something people don't know about. Native Americans also, uh, often enslaved black people as well. Uh, not to throw Native Americans under the bus. No, that does sound like uh, some bullshit, though. It's like, all right, we got away from white people. <laughs> Let's um, go live over here. <laughs> uh, and we're only, and I'm only laughing just to. to what else? Nice what else can you do? How else can you respond yeah. to that? But so, you know, Native Americans get certain um, reparations, if you will. They get certain benefits, you know, if they're part of a tribe and stuff like that. So black people are like, we're part of this tribe. <laughs> like we've been enslaved by them. And then for and then the United States government was like, yeah, we recognize you as being part of that tribe. Uh, so it like, wasn't by choice, but it happened. So. <laughs> So there's like documents of one of my great, 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 great grandmas trying to get uh, some type of service, some type of assistance. And uh, uh, and then she put that, you know, she was part of the tribe and like that paperwork was filed and everything that was accepted. Um, so like, that's kind of I incredible could... that you were able to go back that far and dig that up. Yeah, well, my wife was <laughs> like, you know that show, Finding Your Roots. It's it's on like PBS. I do not I, know that show at all, so, but I'm gonna trust you. Yeah, so they get like celebrities, and they go through like this guy. Oh, I forgot his name. He's like a professor in this big college or something. He's um, oh, I forgot his name. But anyway, he sits down with the celebrities. He'll go through their family history with them, um, which is really interesting stuff. <laughs> I feel like my wife set me down and did that. Just like, all right. I know you. Here you go. Uh, your dad is this. Your dad is right here, and his dad is is here, and then there, and his dad, and his dad, and his dad was located here. Uh, so it's pretty fun to to do. Um, but anyway, this might just be I, a, this might just be uh, like a white Christian thing. But we always just have it in a Bible. Like you get a Bible when you get married, and in the front of the Bible ooh. is like a like a family tree that. I don't know, however far back you can get it, and that's where the family tree lives, and I don't know why that is. Huh. Well, my wife had to look up, like, census reports and stuff. We just... <laughs> hey, what was great-grandma's name? I don't know. Open the Bible. It's in the front. <laughs> and then the thing is, you run into, like, issues of, like, my dad being like, look, I don't know who my dad's dad really is. Like, it was one of these two guys. Mm-hmm. Like, what was it? The guy with the last name Ford? <laughs> Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. yeah. And so anyway, so we we could uh, once we get a little bit more information on that, we could kind of like file to get uh, actual uh, recognition of being part of a tribe. I hope you don't find this case. joke inappropriate, but I have to make it anyway. It's like talk about adding even more diversity to our humble little podcast <laughs> here. <Yeah>. Which <laughs> so the messed up part is like. The only way, like me as a, as a black person, get reparations is not because of like slavery or because of the total racism. It's because my ancestors happened to be enslaved by Native Americans. Well, because of so, it's still because of slavery, just not the just like a real roundabout yeah. way, like a Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine of of getting something. Yeah, it's not not but, ideal uh, by any uh, by any measure. Yeah. But either way. I'm not paying for my kids' college. They'll either have to go alone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, uh, all, all other social things uh, aside, not, not, uh, not trying to make a statement other than it, I always tell Heather's like, we're sending our kid to trade school. 
and then uh, and we'll pay for that part and then whatever they do beyond that that will like hey we set you up you got a life and a job and stuff and you're good you take it from there yeah. I mean, look, I got... look into it everybody it's good <laughs> I got loans. I paid them off in 10 years like everybody else does. Uh, <laughs> unless you want to be really one of those responsible people and pay them off early. Uh, um, I did not have loans in my family. Not because my family really? helped. I went to a really small school, and that makes you look smarter than you really are. Um, so my scholarship oh, okay. opportunities <laughs> were disproportionate. Um, I'm grateful, but I'm not going to rub it in anybody's faces. I probably did not deserve them as much as many other kids in bigger schools. See, uh, I did it the wrong way. I went to a pretty tough high school, Booker T, like I mentioned before. Uh, we call it Booker T. Some people call it it's Booker T Washington High School, but we all call it Booker T, which is like the only high school called by the first and middle initial. Yeah. Well, and I feel like when NFL football players refer to it, they just call it Booker T also. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, There's a few of them. Which, which I took, yeah. uh, I took like hard classes and my GPA was terrible because I took hard class. My GPA was like a 2.6. <laughs> which, oh, which in, my, my mom thinks, my mom always like misremembers me. She's like, "You were smart in high school." Right? I was like, "I didn't really try." She's like, "Oh, but you tra- you turned around college, right?" Like, yeah, my college GPA was like a three point six. So, so she's like, "So you could have tried and got better." I'm like, "Yeah, could have tried, <laughs> but I just didn't care." Uh, I went to a school where there really weren't hard classes and easy classes. There were about two classes that you could choose from every hour. Sometimes not two per hour. Uh, they might have been reserved for folks in other grades. Uh, Chris, I had to take band one year just because there was nothing else to take. I didn't know how to play an instrument. So you know what I did is I played the triangle. Uh, <laughs> I'm not joking. They, I knew how to read music, and so I could understand huh. where to hit things. on. The, so that's the high school that I went to. Uh, so I'm not uh, claiming to Because there's only like one note on a triangle, right? Th- there is. So you just have to understand the the rhythm of of the wind right and that's just oh. muscle memory anyway so yeah high school made me look smart and then i got scholarships but my wife got help so i rubbed that in her face constantly she got the parental help i mean she's I not gonna listen to this podcast so it's fine but i'm hello my easy i probably took the easiest class you could take in high school so i, I did not take driver's ed uh until my senior year after i already had my license and my teacher was like, you already got your license. You don't have to do anything at all. <laughs> so I would just like take a nap in class and, or do or work on most of the time. I would just take a nap or I'll work on some other work. But most of the time I would just take a nap like on the floor. Me, with... me and my friend Tracy Ford, not your wife, Tracy Ford, but my male white friend, Tracy Ford, uh, were in. We, it was in the yearbook class, and it was at the same time as yearbook. And I don't remember. They gave it a name, but it was essentially us learning how to use Dreamweaver software, which is like like kind of a click-and-drag website builder before you could just do that online. But I just remember it distinctly because everybody else was doing yearbook, and we just like sat at computers. And I mean, we didn't... <laughs> We did some Dreamweaver, but we mostly watched early YouTube, which was really bad, oh. by the way. Real bad. Like, they didn't know enough about YouTube to even have it blocked at school at that point, and now it's not blocked again because it's too pervasive and useful. But, um, 
yeah, no, it was a uh, Chris. We had very different school experiences, I imagine, mm-hmm. uh, for better or for worse. But uh, I will admit, be the first to admit, I'm very fortunate, very lucky. I didn't graduate with a lot of debt. I mean, I graduated with like ten thousand, maybe fifteen, which this really is like a whole. reasonable amount, right? Yeah, I mean, I was an RA, so you know, being RA, uh, half, half of it's that, good. that you would have been probably cost of boarding and tuition was like forty grand for all four years, and so cut that in half for being an RA. What if you go to um, trade school and be an RA? Can you do that? Is that are there you, RAs you at cannot, trade school? You cannot just get a job as an RA. They don't allow that. Out. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Um, that would be a terrible job if you're not living in. The, I don't. You know, it would be uh, weird, but yeah. Be, hey, be an RA, kids. That definitely you that, should that, definitely be an RA. I would recommend everyone becoming a resident assistant, not only because you get free housing, and free food, but because it's probably it's my a tremendous teaching tool of a job. Yeah. It is a, it is going to teach you about yourself and like your personal like leadership and and workload management and and uh, what yeah. it, like all. It's going to teach you a lot about yourself. You should try to teach you. Teach you teach how to handle difficult situations, all Very sorts much of so. situations, constantly. How to be uh, an authoritative figure, but still try to strike a balance and not like, be an asshole and still have friends <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like I felt like I was. I mean, I got better the job as I did it for two and a half years. Uh, my last year was the best. I had a great floor, built a great community. Like you know how hard it is to get <laughs> freshman boys to like to do anything to do yeah. <laughs> to do anything, especially stuff that isn't like going party or something. Like hey, let's all eat lunch together. Let's all watch a movie. Like it's difficult to do, um, and then also be like. If I catch you drinking, I'm gonna make you throw away out all your beer, even though you just pay it for. I'm gonna make you pour it out right in front of your face, you jerk. Exactly. You go, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna make you. You just bought a 24 pack of, of beer. I'm gonna make you open up each can and pour it down the drain. <laughs> we and I and I am not gonna feel bad about it at all. I like getting a bust. <laughs> like I remember, like some days, like. The next day, man, we're really going off tangents. I'm sorry, people, but we're gonna have to put timestamps in this one. I just accepted yeah. that this one needs timestamps. <laughs> hey, Chris, this podcast. I, t- I already said we're not getting paid. This podcast is about us. Like I remember, like a uh, morning, like the morning after a big bus, like an RA will come in the office. I'd be like, I got a big bus last night. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. you like flash your badge. <laughs> yeah, got. Let's say I had a had a weed bus, had two alcohol bus. The thing is, I don't. I, it's not that I like busting people, because it's a difficult situation. Like it, like it's your friend having to having or... to mentally negotiate a situation with people, especially people who weren't on your floor. Because we would go and do rounds through mm-hmm. each floor, um, and so you go to someone else's floor. They're not as comfortable with you as a resident assistant. So you got to. You got to reassess your authoritative figure. It's not as friendly. It's more of a confrontational one because they don't they don't know you. They don't know your style. They just know you're the person trying to in their way of of enjoying their day. <laughs> but, just the guy who's gonna dump their their liquor out right in front of their face. Yeah. The biggest <laughs> weirdest one for me was that uh, you know coming from a real small place, weed was not not like very common to me in high school. Like I knew what weed was from movies, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you know went to college for a year. 
and mostly stayed in a library and did lots of homework and then became an RA the next year. And I remember them describing like what to do in weed situations. And they're like, all right, yeah, you mark it down, uh, what room it's at. And then if it happens like, I don't know, like five times or something over the, over the course of a quarter, uh, then we will try to like formally do something about it. It's like, you guys were lenient. Well, that's a, that's, and I kind of asked is like, why, you know, if we hear kids like drinking and stuff, we knock on the door, we ask them to open it up, yeah. and then we see the booze, we make them dump it out or whatever. It's like, why don't we do that for weed? Uh, <laughs> and and I don't remember exactly how they worded it. It was like a politically correct way of saying is like, well, if they hide the weed and you can't see the weed, by the time like cops or anything would get here, like all the everything is dissipated and everything's gone, and like legally you can't do anything about it anyway so they're like you just keep a tally in this sheet here the rooms where we think there's weed problems it's like oh okay but we we i mean i had i had like plenty of weed bus like our, i don't know why we weed. had to treat it different it feels like if you knock on a door and open I mean, it's it up more and, illegal and i know uh it was i don't know if it's just the difference of like liquor you open it you see cans and stuff like it's easier it's to probably spot. honestly sean Let's let's be real here. It's probably because they didn't want you guys getting sports players in trouble. Uh, I mean, I'd say that. Other than there was no athletes in my dorm uh, at okay. all, zero. But other dorms had athletes, right? Uh, we have at KU. We had dorms specifically for athletes, which were yeah. ten times more specialer than any other dorms. <laughs> oh, okay. Chris, they have in one of the places they live. It's right by Allen Fieldhouse. They have mm. a half-court basketball gym in the dorm. They oh, live man. between Allen Fieldhouse and the wreck. They live between them, <laughs> and there's a half-court of basketball in the dorm. That sounds fun. It, it's oh, beautiful. Uh, it's incredible. Would would recommend being a college athlete if you can pull that off somehow. Kids, figure it out. Um, yeah, KU treat their athletes a little different up there, yeah. and it's pretty... Uh, Make me jealous. Yeah, get, getting them shoe deals and stuff. Yeah, they're just... <laughs> Chris, we got to get them to come play somehow. Um... Uh, all right, tangent over. Sorry. <laughs> oh, hey, man. You know what, though? Okay. I enjoyed every second of that thoroughly. Yeah. It was first it started emotional and powerful, and then it went to educational, <laughs> and now we're going back to this cartoon that we really like. Shut up. <laughs> okay, there's a moment. <laughs> I was going to get to right before whatever tangent I went off on. Where Cora is stuck in that fissure, and she feels like she's defeated. And Rava tells her, like, do not give in to 10,000 years of darkness. Like, you are the Avatar. And then Cora gets out of it. Music swells up. And I like how she's like, you cannot win. I don't know. It's just a really great fighting. And the fight carries on. And then uh, they get into this, like, wire-bending tussle. Mm-hmm. Which, interesting enough, she pro- probably learned that wire-bending move from Katara... You see Katara using this move a lot of times, especially gets her fight with Azula and the uh, and the crystal catacombs under Bossing Say. Um, but this time it doesn't work out for Korra because Vatu Unavat Unalak as the Dark Avatar can do some freaky spiritual stuff, <laughs> like take unprecedented of... is the word I'm going to use. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't care. I don't care what avatar it is. Honestly, I I don't. I don't think any of them are winning against a person who can rip Rava right out of you. It's, I don't know if you've ever had like a soul ripped out of yourself before. 
Uh, I don't feel like there's physical maneuvers that are going to stop that very easy. <laughs> it's not a grounds uh, I mean, he, for he argument, just, is what Chris is saying. It's not a grounds for He was just on the dark avatar, which is on another level spiritually. Also, that sounds like a positive. <laughs> also, spiritually, he was. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you think about the power scale between Rava and Vatu, mm-hmm. right, it's, it's like a seesaw. And their size is a direct reflection of their strengths. When Rava fused with Juan, she was this tiny little spirit because she'd been beaten up so much, and Vatu is here. That has stayed relatively the same. So then when Unalak fused with Vatu, he was fusing with a very, very strong Vatu. So now, so before Rava, in the last harmonic conversions, Rava tilted the tides in her favor, right? If you have the scale, you have both Rava and Vatu's scale on the same thing. Uh, once she fused with one, that tilted the scales in her favor. But now Vatu is fused with Unalog, and that tilts the scales more so in his favor. And so, of course, he's going to be stronger than than uh, than Kor. Or it makes sense that he would beat, he would defeat Kor. Yeah, then he rips her out, and this is. <laughs> I wish I could go back and watch this again because I'm I know I was feeling it roughly when when Vatu would just like whip uh, Rava and with his kite strands. Yeah, and like with every single one, first you see Aang's spirit spent, then you see Roku, then Kiyoshi, and then you see Korra like reaching out, and you think like Korra's gonna do something. She's, I don't know what she's gonna do, but she's gonna do something because she has to do something because these are the past lives at stake. And nope, she can't do anything. Like she's she's helpless, defenseless against this. And yeah, and then uh, Unalak completely destroys all the past lives, all the memories of them. And, uh, and he destroys Rava, which leads him into growing even stronger and bigger into like this huge mega dark avatar. Not in a good way. Cause obviously I'm sad that it happens as a viewer, but uh, when he rips, uh, when he rips Rava out and, and like consumes, I guess is the right word is a uh, kind of sick. I love it. Yeah. It's a yeah. sick part of the episode. Sick, sick, cool, sick, but also kind of weird, sick. Like, I don't know what you're going to yeah. do with that. And Korra's fire breathing reminds me a lot of Kyoshi in the Kyoshi novels. Like, there's a, I believe there's a scene in Kyoshi novels where Kyoshi is fighting um, uh, her earthbending mentor. I can't think of his name. Dang it. Who was Korra's? A friend. Jianju? Jianju. Um And, like, she, like, breathes at him, but but he, like, stops it somehow. And this reminds me of that. Like, she breathes the fire, but the, uh, it just shuts her face up. Um, I know I'm going to start another tangent here, but I'm going to try not to. The <laughs> other day, I decided the next dog I get, uh, I'm going to get a girl dog. I'm going to name it Julie uh, because Ooh. Charlie doesn't really respond to commands. He just responds to like one or two words that he knows. Uh, so like walk and squirrel and outside. And so I figure if I teach a dog and I just say, Julie, do the thing. And then it'll do whatever the thing is that it thinks it's supposed to do at that time. Kind of like Charlie does. And that's my tangent. I can't, I had to tell somebody cause Heather wouldn't 
Uh, well, at least it was Avatar related. It was. It was close. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna um, be a great, great dog. Yeah. Which so it's all. all I also find it interesting that when, when uh, Bravo was destroyed, Vatu when the Vatu turned into this big, huge when the Vatu dark spirit type of deal, um, which later on, which I believe Korra by the end of the series is capable of doing something like that. I don't, I don't know. She's capable of tapping in into a greater power than we've seen before, which maybe they'll explore that in the comics or maybe they won't. Maybe because then she'll become just too OP and that doesn't make as interesting of a, of a character when you become very, very, very OP. Yeah, I don't like it. Just it means you have to have kind of more and more OP villains, honestly. Which is usually the thing yeah. that bugs me more. Is like, where are these people all just spring out of the ground? All these people. Yeah, that's never one thing. I don't like that. I don't that... like that gradual power creep. I guess in like any shows or, or anything, yeah. honestly. That's understandable. Um, that's one of the things that that I actually find really interesting about Avatar is that they somehow are. In the, in the world of Avatar, the Avatar is the absolute greatest power, unless you're an Avatar also. Like in this case, the Dark Avatar. The Avatar state is the single most OP thing in the universe. It, it will... It, it is capable... By, by design. Yes. It is capable of splitting a whole entire landmass and moving it miles away. <laughs> it's capable of ripping a hole in space time like it's it's a very powerful instrument and yet they they dwarfed it a little bit because they're like well no you don't want to use it because now you open yourself up to to dying in the avatar state and that breaks the cycle also what they did in avatar last airbender was they never let ang control it and what they did so that uh still made ang's even though ang had the had the power within him um, they still, they still uh, made it to where he wasn't that OP. In Legend of Korra, uh, Korra is often um, has some type of disability or some type of mental block that she can't channel the Avatar state that way. And so that's also a good check on her being OP, right? The first season she couldn't control the Avatar state. Um, this season she's up against a dark Avatar, so that dwarfs it. The next season, she's dealing with you know, a bunch of stuff. She was poisoned. After that, she was still dealing with PTSD. They do a good job of not making the Avatar, who is the absolute most OP character in the universe, not very OP. Um, I think it gets... Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I still have uh, maybe a smidge of issue um, in... And I think it's just because in these four books, they have to come up with, you know, like four big antagonists, four big bads. Whereas in the first one, we're just constantly building up to one one big bad. Um, and so I think that's part of why it feels this way. But it does feel like in Korra, like every new villain has to like step up over previous villain in certain ways or whatever uh, and kind of ramp it up, which you just don't run into in Avatar. So... Uh, I won't say I take issue with that. That's too strong. It's just one of those things that is not my preference. Uh, going back to like the single full three seasons of story arc. Pardon me, three books of story arc versus four different story arcs. Yeah. Um, okay. So, man, we've been talking for a good minute now. Well, 51 good minutes. Um, 
All right, so this, the twenty of those were edutainment. <laughs> uh, the connections are severed, which was very hard to look at, uh, and that's kind of the the end of that part. That that part of the story. On the flip side of there, um, you have Tenzin, Kaya, and Bumi going to look for Janora, and <laughs> they get lost in the spirit world, and they. Uh... <laughs> I like how they run into that. That mushroom is hilarious to me. Like I they, wanted to listen to it. I feel like it sounded like uh, like Venus, but I'm probably I'm most likely wrong. But yeah, no, it's not. I just watched it. Um, like <laughs> it get Boomy is like, we passed that spirit mushroom three times, and then Tens is like, no, it's a different mushroom, and the mushroom is like, no, it's me. I'm the same mushroom. Other other way around. Boomy uh, Tens is like, we passed oh, that mushroom three times. You're right. You're right. You're right doing right. the tracking. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. listen to a mushroom instead of your own brother. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, I don't know why that mushroom cracks me up. That does. Um, I think it's the idea of you think of like hallucinations and doing shrooms, and now they're talking to a mushroom <laughs> in the spirit world without having done shrooms. I feel like that's irony when the mushrooms are talking to you and you're sober. Mm, I think that's, that's true. Yeah. That's uh, weird irony. So then, then they run into Iroh, which he gives them like a quick little hint of advice. Um, but it's good to see Iroh uh, again. Like some cryptic cool Pirates of the Caribbean bullshit advice. Iroh, come on, yeah. just tell him where to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, Tenzin figures it out, and they go to the Fog of All Souls. Tenzin is like, you know, this this fog is like a spirit of itself, and and it ends up like making you see, um, like your worst fears essentially, uh, which I find a really int- I find that as a really interesting character device um because we quickly get to see a little bit about the characters like kaya you know they get lost in the loss uh in the fog of lost souls and kaya's like who are you like i don't have any family i want like i'm I'm free like she clearly has some fear of 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 being alone (laughs) or or a fear of of uh of not being free, which is part of her story that she went off for years and years and really probably didn't recently come back until their dad died. Uh, Voice of the Mushroom is Grey Delisle Griffin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, really? Okay, so well, I guess I was wrong. It's not a... But she's uh, got such a dynamic voice. She, she I, does. I, That's funny. I get why you might feel that way, but... Um, I, I don't know if she could go so low. I mean, the, the, the thing sounds kind of low. It's like... was it me? It's not like oh. base low, but not like it's n- yeah normal average female low, I guess. Uh, so I mean, it's like a boy who just hit puberty. No. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Sorry, and then Boomy, and then Boomy's talking about cannibals and stuff. Yeah, like, what the heck has Boomy been through? He actually, had, we've been discounting his stories all this time, but he's got some serious PTSD in there. Yeah, <laughs> like. Uh, and then Tenzin deals with like the weight of the whole air nation being on the shoulders. Uh, and then he comes across. So this is a, a moment of some confusement, I think, for some Avatar fans. Rightfully so, because it's not clear sometimes. So this image comes by Tenzin when he's lost, and it's, and it's Aang. The vision is of Aang. And Tenzin's like, I'm sorry, like I could do whatever. And and Aang, this vision of Aang is saying, tell him like, you're not, you're not me. You don't have to be me. 
you know, you're not a reflection of me, you're a reflection of yourself. Um, which a lot of people thought that, think that that was like Aang's spirit, um, <laughs> like talking to Tenzin. But to me, it's clearly not. To me, it's clearly Tenzin talking to himself, especially when you see Aang transform into Tenzin. He's seeing the image. He's finally seeing his reflection as himself and not his father. Like that's that's what that metaphor, that's what that symbolizes. Well, not... And so to me, it's, it's definitely not Aang's spirit. And also that just calls into question a lot of confusion on... Because at that same time, uh, Grava was being split from Korra and stuff. I think uh, and Tenzin has such a strong presence of mind, at least is how I take it, of like uh, what those those things that this vision of Angler is telling him should have broken him or like would have broken a lesser version him of him or something. Just hearing those words yeah. come out. He just kind of had the presence of mind to sort of fight back, uh, use it as a focusing tool or whatever. So I I don't know. I, I didn't even consider the other side. I just presumed, yeah, this is your own imagination just, just trying to jack with you. So... Covering my mic did not work. I'm sorry, listeners. It makes me realize how infrequently we sneeze on this show. It doesn't happen very often. We talk a long time and rarely sneeze. Interesting. Anyway. And I mowed the lawn yesterday. And it's it's horrible allergy season. My throat's (laughs) killing me. Uh, But I think... So I've been thinking about this. I kind of think it would, would maybe be interesting if it was actually Aang's spirit and they made that clear... Like Aang talking, like seeing Aang talk to Tenzin one last time, being like, "Listen, I'm I'm proud of you. Like, you don't see yourself as reflection; you see yourself as as yourself. Like, you are Tenzin, my son. You are not. Well, no, I'm sorry. You are Tenzin. As I say, you're Tenzin, my son. Sounds uh, <laughs> puts more weight that he's the Avatar Aang's son. <laughs> but like, you are Tenzin. You are your own human being." I love you for the person you are, not because you are just my son. Something to that effect with better writers to make it better. But something <laughs> um, <laughs> to that effect. I think it would kind of be cool and it would lend to the story of Tenzin. Because this is one thing that's a great moment for Tenzin. I think he's coming full circle with his character arc this season, right? The season started off him being very spiritually insecure, especially compared to. Uh, Unalak, and then compared to even Janora, he's been very humbled. And honestly, he, I feel like he feels like, "What do I even do?" Like he's 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 so stuck. And I think this is a great moment for him, and that would have added to it, especially if Aang said this before the next season, right? Because because next season, I feel like he does live up to to Aang's legacy and and expands on it by spending the air nation. But that's not what would have made Aang proud. Aang was proud no matter what. Um, yeah, like I said, just it's one of those where I didn't give it a second thought while I was watching it. I was like, oh, it's just his mind playing tricks, and he kind of powered through. Um, you know, he seems sort of in touch enough that I could see that not being easy. But why? He, why it would be him and not the other two? With all due respect. Yes. Takaya and Boomy. Boomy would yeah. obviously be the first to go. Let's be real. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. Uh, they come across Zhao, which was a great 
great surprise. Hope we're not in here as long as that guy. Yeah. I am the Moon Slayer. Yeah, and then he thinks Tenzin is Aang. He's like, you're the last airbender. And then, yeah. You said- I know, that was a really great callback. I don't know why I feel this way, but you sounded... I don't know why you said it a little bit like Harrison Ford when you said that. I don't think that's what you meant to. <laughs> no. You're the last airbender. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear it now. I guess it, you know, any part of the four gene. Yeah, it's it comes to the territory. You're all related somehow. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, Tenzin saves Janora. He saves... Uh, Kai and Bumi, but then Janora has to go off because she knows the core is in trouble, and that's kind of how the episode ends. A serious, uh, pretty serious cliffhanger. Like it feels, it feels like you're at the end of the rope, and then yeah. the episode cuts off. And the thing I love when when characters put in these situations that I feel like good storytelling puts characters in situations that I'm like I have no idea how they're going to get out of this problem. Is there <laughs> but such... they figure out how to get out of the problem and it, and it makes sense to me. I'm trying to ask myself and, and, and think of if there's any other any other cliffhanger in the series that's like a... Uh, I'm going to call this like a cold cliffhanger. Like a lot of cliffhangers is during like a big action-packed scene or right before a rebound from some... Like from the big action-packed scene. Uh, but this one like... I don't know, it's got a, like a hopeless feeling to it, but not, I don't know, just not right yeah. off the heels of like a big fight or something. It's more of a quiet, uh, the quiet exit of the episode, but still a serious cliffhanger. I don't know how to describe it other than it just doesn't feel like a standard cliffhanger. Mm. It's very unusual. Yeah. Uh, but, uh... Well, we've been we've been chatting plenty long. Let's let's hit some ratings. Uh, you kept yours a surprise. Do you want me to do mine first, and then you can reveal yours? Uh, no, I'm gonna do mine. This okay. Time. Uh, all right. So, audio visual. Oh, I like how you put a question mark there. This stuff. Um, anyway, audio visual. <laughs> the Riddler. I gave I gave it a ten. Let's just say ten. Ten. Uh, <laughs> you said gave it in the past tense as you were clearly giving it in the present tense <laughs> I gave it a 10 uh, I felt like the music was really done really well it really supported a lot of the moments where there was you know, a feeling of hopelessness especially when uh, Korra was, had Rava ripped out of her I feel like the fight scenes were done really really well like I got goosebumps in, in certain moments, especially the moment of Korra coming out of that little fissure. Um, part of me kind of, which I didn't mention before, like they probably could have just ended this fight with Korra defeating uh, Unavatsu right there. Uh, I probably would have accepted that. I probably would have liked it. Just yeah, um, It would have been fine. 12 episodes? Yeah, it would have been fine with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thir- um, 13. But but uh, I like the moment. Anyway, so that dives me into story. Story, I gave a 10 because I feel like oftentimes uh, writers and creators are hesitant to put their main protagonists in very difficult situations. And this is Korra, probably her most difficult situation. Like, they took away something that was so 
so unique and important to the Avatar. They took away the past lives, which is something that a lot of fans absolutely hate Korra for. <laughs> which, and they and they kind of hate this this show for doing that. But to me, you and Brian and Mike always talk about this. Like everything has stakes, everything has consequences, and and this is one of those consequences. Which is why I think they will never bring back the past lives. I don't care what anyone was hoping for. People are like, oh well, you know, Cora, maybe she can go to the spirit world and, and figure it out. Uh, <laughs> someone wrote uh, one time like. Rava, I'm sorry, they, they wrote like, Roku wanted to end the Hundred Year War. He didn't. Aang did it. Aang wanted to bring back the Air Node in their nation. He didn't. Korra did it. Korra wanted to connect to the past lives. Next avatar? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> and I want to be like, well, Korra tried to connect to her past lives like once after this. And then it was like, Avatar Wisdom is overrated. <laughs> like, and I'll. She's also so young. Like, we've got Roku's... I mean, we don't see his full life, but we've got his full life big picture. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. even know how Cora, how old Cora is at the end of these four books, but uh, she, got, she got a lot of avataring in her future still. Yeah. Um, But my point being is that, like, the past lives... First of all, they're not... While they're important, there's no doubt about that, they're not like the end all be all, all right. Even Yang Chin in the Kyoshi novels was telling Kyoshi, like, listen, there's thousands of, although, how she say, there's like thousands of lifetimes, and you could spend your time asking all of them for advice on, on how to make the world better, but honestly, you wouldn't have a better, really, a better answer than the one you could come up with yourself, because like. You're you, such like, a you beautiful to... parallel to Aang's situation too, yeah. of like having to get the advice from all the avatars, yeah. and then being like, <laughs> "Wait a minute, I'm yeah. not going to do that." Yeah, I wish I could find the exact quote because Yang Chen put it so much more eloquently than than I did. I'm not, I I'm not giving her enough credit. It's time here. To, for me to go back and get back, uh, redo those books. I think it's yeah, uh, it's time. Try reading the uh, do the audio book. So I don't know them yet, good. but I should. No uh, they're on, yeah, you can get them on you know, whatever your job is from. You could probably find it on Hoopla by now. But. True. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, so I love that there's stakes. Um, like that, that's a huge story element to take away the past lives, and they had the guts to, to do that. So I love that. So story gets a 10. Memorable, give it a 10. There's so many things I loved about this episode. So many callbacks, like to Zhao, um, this fight, that moment of of Korra coming out of the Fisher. Really great, memorable episode. Um, yeah, so ten. So all in all, ten tens. Uh, woof. Uh, Audio visual. <laughs> I feel really good about this. Uh, 9.5. I think the only minor itty bitty nitpick I have is this episode didn't take uh, as much advantage of the spirit world for for some sort of uh, musical and aesthetic uh, unusual creativity as I felt like it could have for the amount of time that was in there. Uh, very minor nitpick. 9.5. It's excellent. 
story is probably where we're gonna pick nits. I just, yeah. I don't know. It feels like, it feels like there there should have been a little like when you said that they could have cut the fight off uh, right there and that maybe we wouldn't have known. It almost felt to me like, like maybe the initially that was the intention and they stretched it out one more for you know for reasons I don't understand or, or care to know. Um, but it, it sort of feels like it should be the ending and then it's not, and maybe not necessarily in a good or bad way. And, and like I said, I also, I also just, I don't know. I feel like there should have been more that like that Rava could have done. Um, I straight up feel like, uh, Unalak should have, should have died when he got the crap swatted out of him just from the SWAT itself. Like there's lots of little things like, why does that just get to pass all of a sudden? Why is that? Okay. I don't know. Um, it's still a, it's still really good. It just it's my reflects my feelings on this entire book of that it's it's not what uh not what I prefer in my avatar stories, I suppose. You having some allergy problems there, man? <laughs> I was reading the tie, sorry. Oh yeah, it's real late. Um, no, is it one oh eight? Yeah, I mean we we talked a long time. Okay. No, Especially no, after no. last week where it was like it was like thirty minutes <laughs> we long. Got, we, gotta, we gotta make it for the twenty seven minute episode. We were busy last week, dang it. We were busy. Um nine uh memorable boy gave it a nine. I think it's not quite it's still it's extremely memorable. I would say it's probably not quite as memorable as the actual uh finale itself. Probably a little harsh on it here. Nine seems low in hindsight, but you know, it's a nine. It's very memorable. Um, I still fight with that. These last two or three episodes kind of get them all a little bit blended together, maybe. And that always seems yeah. to ding it for me mentally. Uh, overall, that comes out to 8.8. You put that with Chris's, that comes out to a 9.4. Correct. I think. Question yep. mark? 9.4. Quick math. And that is The Legend of Korra, Book 2, Spirits, Chapter 13, The Penultimate Episode. But two mm. darkness falls. That means very penultimate. <laughs> it's a super penultimate, uh, which means that next week we will come back for you with the finale, the big finale to book two, and then we will finally get into book three, and uh, and I'm very excited about that. I'm thrilled, even. Mm. Yes. Chris, final thoughts on the episode, or can we just go to bed? <laughs> uh, I'm going to finish watching Castlevania, and okay. then uh, yeah, I yeah, one more episode. I liked Castlevania I really do... season four a lot. I liked it a little more than season three, and almost as much as uh, the one teaser-ish season in season two. Pretty close. Yeah, season one was like very... Teaser-ish. It is like literally like a pilot season. Yeah, I don't even know what you yeah. call that, but yeah, like season uh, four a lot. I really want to do a video of Sifa. Uh, is her name Sifa? 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 Sifa or Sifa? I always forget if it's like an F or a P- PH or a TH. I believe there's a PH. Okay, so Sifa. Uh, I really want to do a video of like Sifa versus Korra, who would win um, in a fight. Uh, it would be really close. It'd be really cool because I love. Because she's pretty much like the Avatar, right? Like, she can do water moves, fire. I don't think I ever see her do air that I don't feel like it would be a good competition because I feel like her 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 setup time, her her wind-up time is longer, and she doesn't have the athletic prowess either to, like, fall back on. I feel like... I don't know. I don't know, Sean. I don't know. She does some pretty sick stuff, but... Watching episode nine of, of this season... 
was like, holy crap, like she is powerful. I don't necessarily like the means of where they get to at the end of season four, but I do love the ending of season four, if that makes sense. Like, I don't not maybe not exactly how they get there, but I do dig it a whole lot. So really jacked yeah. about Castlevania season four. And as a TV show in general, it's just doing, it's a good time and a lot of people seem to enjoy it. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not going to do that though. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> it's going to be Castlevania. I can rewatch that some other day. I'm rewatching Dragon Prince right now. I don't know if you caught on to that. Rewatching Dragon Prince. And then my wife, as our separate like dinner show, is watching <laughs> Korra uh, oh. with me. So watching back through Korra because she's never sat down and watched all Korra the whole way through. Now, we're oh. usually also playing Captain Toad, Treasure Tracker, and eating dinner. So I don't know how much she's picking up out of it, but she's watching yeah. it. Yeah. Better than my wife. <clears throat> Heather will watch most, most things. She's not very picky. That's how she ended up with me. Uh, me and my wife don't watch most stuff together because stuff we would watch together is usually like rated R and uh, we have kids around. Children. Uh, and, uh, with food uh, and, and media, Heather's circle of what she wants is this big and then my circle, it's like half in, half out of her circle and it's like this big. It's much smaller and it's like 50-50 overlapping hers. Food, same way. But um, Okay, well, come back next week. Join us for the finale of book two, Spirits. My name's Sean Taylor. That's Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. And we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Avatar The Last Podcasters. And Twitter and Instagram, probably go toward Twitter first at, uh, at last underscore podcasters. <clears throat> Excuse me. Getting all choked up. I forget all the other things that we're usually supposed to say here other than we really appreciate you watching. And, well, Chris, I'll see you next time. All right, whatever. <laughs> going for the cool clothes I like that <laughs> take it easy we'll see you next week